Welcome to Wonder, a podcast equipping women to live a wonder-filled life with Chrissy Dunham and Lisa Clark. Chrissy is a women's minister who shares his story, his love, and his word by speaking, teaching, training, and mentoring women of all ages. And Lisa is the author of Raising Sinners and loves speaking to mom groups in Texas and beyond, encouraging them as they raise their children to love God with all their hearts. Don't you know that she's, she's some kind of wonderful? She's some kind of wonderful. Yes, she is. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. I'm here with my podcast buddy, good friend, ministry partner, Lisa Clark. How are you today, Lisa? Doing well. Doing well. How are you, sunshine? Well, I'm hot. I'm hot. That's what I'm doing. I, you know, I'm not a summer girl. It's not my time of year. Uh, that we did go to Red River, get in the mountains. That's where I can catch my breath and stay cool during these hot summer days. Kind of a family tradition. So uh, that's been great. How are you doing with the heat? Yeah, we just got back from Colorado. We went to family camp. And so end of July. And so we are, we got to have a little respite away too. So it's been nice. It's been so a good summer. Awesome. It is. Yeah. Well, before we introduce today's guest, I want to give a shout out to Tiffany Rogers. Speaking of mountains, Tiffany Rogers is a faithful listener to the Wonder Podcast, and she has an Airstream. So they travel everywhere, and you never know where they're going to pop up. They have two beautiful dogs, and she is always so faithful to text and talk about what an encouragement it's been. She loves the variety of people we have on, so... Tiffany, thanks for listening, and we appreciate you. Hey, Tiffany. Hey, girl. So that's fun. That's so fun. Well, today's guest, I actually knew when she was a student in high school, maybe even a little earlier. I've known her parents for a while. We've gone to church together. Uh, today's guest is Allie Beth Stuckey, and we're so excited to have her with us today. So why don't you tell us who you are and what you do for those that don't know? Yes, well, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. My name is Allie Stuckey. I just wrote a book called You're Not Enough and That's Okay, Escaping the Toxic Culture of Self-Love, which we will get more into, I'm sure, in this interview. Um, but I also host a podcast called Relatable. We analyze culture, news, politics from a biblical perspective, and I've been doing that for a couple years. Before that, I was uh, still in kind of political media. I started back in 2015 speaking to college women, specifically sorority women, about the importance of voting in what was the 2016 election. And then it just kind of turned into this full-time commentary, podcasting, and writing career. And this is my first book, and I'm I'm really excited about it. But I think that uh, that about covers what I do professionally anyway. Yes. So that was going to be one of our big questions was, how did you even get into that? So we just heard that's kind of your history. You were educating your sorority sisters and uh, trying to get them up to speed on what it means to vote and all of those things. And uh, our daughters listen to you and love you. And you're very, very popular um, out there in the world. And we appreciate what you stand for and the things that you stand up for. So tell us a little bit about your personal life before we dive into the book. 
Yeah, so I'm a wife and a mom. My husband and I will have been married for uh, uh, five years next month, which goes by so quickly. We've got a one-year-old little girl. She turned one in July, and we are just loving being parents. Just like everyone else, this past year has been a huge adjustment, not just becoming parents, but with everything that has uh, been happening and is currently happening uh, in our country, but we feel, you know, very blessed and very fortunate that the adjustments that we've had to go through have been, um, thankfully, pretty minimal. And a lot of it has been uh, focused on this book, writing this book, finishing this book, and now promoting this book. Um, so that's a little bit about my personal life. I can go a little bit deeper into my past if you would like me to as well. Well, well Allie, I was going to say, and Chrissy mentioned that both of our daughters listened to your podcast, but when I, I was dropping off my grandson a few minutes ago, I'd kept him for the last few days and my 26-year-old daughter, I was telling her, I said, I've got to go back and uh, get ready for a recording this afternoon. Allie Stuckey's going to be on. And she goes, what? Oh, the, the um, conservative millennial. Is that what it's called? Is that, is that how you're known in the... Um... Well, it was. So I started back in 2015, I started a blog called The Conservative Millennial. Um, I don't go by that anymore, but a lot of people who have been following me for a long time, even my husband will still refer to me as that. My podcast is called Relatable, but... Um, people who have been following me, I guess, like her since the beginning, probably still do refer to me as that, which is totally fine. I love it. Um, so I'm very thankful to her that she has been following for that long. Yeah. So did you grow up in a, um, I'm not a political junkie. My husband is, is that, was that kind of your upbringing? You know, not, not really. I mean, my parents were Christian conservatives and of course I was raised Christian, went to a Christian school, uh, went to church growing up. And uh, of course, all of that, we didn't really talk about politics at the kitchen table. Um, I do remember a, a little bit. I mean, just like y'all's kids remembering nine 11, even remembering the Bush Gore election and things like that. And so I remember my parents talking about politics. I knew where they stood, but probably more than anything, what has made me lean conservative were just the values that my parents raised me with, you know, hard work, personal responsibility, uh, the importance of religious liberty and freedom of speech and all of those things that I knew that I held dear, but maybe I, I didn't think of it in a partisan way until I was actually able to vote. I wasn't able to vote until I was in college in 2012, and that's when I really started kind of caring. And plus, my dad uh, became a state representative around the same time when I was in college. So I think that's when my interest started to be peaked. And then it really wasn't until the 2016 election that I was looking around and realizing that so many young people raised the same way that I was. Either they started to go a different direction politically, or they just didn't know what was going on at all politically. And so it just interested me to help people who are like me to help people, especially women my same age, kind of think through these issues, especially political and cultural issues from a biblical perspective. Of course, I don't claim to have all of the answers of how every single Christian looks at politics. There are a lot of faithful Christians that disagree on certain topics, but uh, from my Christian conservative perspective, I do the best I can to try to help young women build a biblical worldview. And uh, there are a lot of different events in my life that kind of led to this career path that I'm very thankful for. But in general, just kind of how my parents raised me with particular values and then seeing um, the, the lack of information and the lack of knowledge that a lot of young women had around the 2012 and 2016 election is really kind of what inspired me to do what I'm doing now.
I love it. So you've been exposed to a lot of media, a lot of shows and radio shows and all that. And I don't know if you know this about me, Allie, but um, I was supposed to be on Good Morning America. So I, I studied that. Yeah. So I studied radio TV broadcasting That's at Oklahoma crazy. State. And as the Lord would have it, that was not the call that he placed on my life. But I did pursue it for quite a while. So I'm very savvy when it comes to news uh -huh. and all of that. So when you think through, and this is just a personal question, when you think through all the shows you've been on, radio people, and media people, you know, Fox, all the things that you've done, what was your favorite show or your favorite moderator or someone that interviewed you? Oh, goodness. This is right on the spot. It's going to be hard for me to come up with just one person. Well, actually, you can uh, name more than one. If well, I, yes, I don't. I've been interviewed by a lot of amazing people. And if any of them listen to this podcast, I don't want them to think that I didn't like they their do. interviewing They skills. do, Allie. Um, there have been lots and lots of wonderful people that I've interviewed with. Some of the best interviewers, I can think of one person, and he is not a Christian, um, and so it wasn't that necessarily that kind of conversation, but I'll tell you the reason why I liked it. His name is Dave Rubin, and he is just a wonderful interviewer. He does long-form uh, interviews and talks to all kinds of people from across the political spectrum, different kinds of religions and backgrounds, and what I love about what I loved about that interview that I did about a, a year and a half ago was that we knew that we were on different pages, ideologically different pages, uh, theologically, I mean, very different worldviews, similar in, in some political ways, but very different worldviews and how we view morality and all of that. But his willingness to listen to someone and to allow me to just share the gospel and to share what I believe about very controversial issues like marriage, sexuality, abortion, things that he did not disagree with me on from a biblical perspective in a respectful way and in the, the long form way. So not just those quick sound bites that you see on Fox News. That was a very meaningful interview to me to be able to have that kind of conversation with someone that I know doesn't agree with me. That kind of thing just doesn't happen very much today, especially when it comes from people on the more liberal side interviewing a conservative. They just so often tend to be shouting matches. Um, and he is just, he's a very skilled interviewer. And I appreciate people who are able to listen well and to draw the best out of their guests and allow their guests to shine. And there have been a lot of good interviewers, but he is um, he is one of the best. Wow, oh, so great. So when you're asked this question next time, Allie, you'll be able to say Chrissy Dunham. <laughs> exactly. Hands down. <laughs> best interview ever. Before we get into the book, and that's what we want to talk to you about today, but I know that you were able to, in the last year or so, testify before Congress, right? Yes, yes, I was. I tested. Um, it was a, a, it was a hearing that was held uh, by Democrats, and it was about legislation that they saw as problematic. Um, abortion legislation really kind of pushed by the Trump administration, but particularly in the state of Missouri. And Republicans got to call one witness. And if I remember correctly, Democrats got to call four witnesses because they are they are the majority. And so that's that's just the rules. It wasn't biased or anything like that. That's just the rules would be the same if Republicans were in the, in the majority. So 
I got to do a five minute, which went by really quickly, a five minute testimonial at the beginning, just basically stating my position on abortion, um, on being pro-life and why I'm pro-life. And then I got to answer some questions from Republican and Democratic legislators, have a, a little spar with some Democratic legislators. And then I also got to interact just a little bit with the other Democratic witnesses, one of them actually being an, a abortion, uh, an abortion provider in Missouri. So that was probably one of the most intimidating moments of my life, but it was one of those moments that I know that you guys have had as well, that you feel totally unprepared for. And yet you feel like the Holy Spirit just kind of takes over and you can't take any credit for it. And you can't bring any glory to yourself because you realize it wasn't you. That was one of those moments uh, for me last year. And I'm very thankful. I'm thankful that it happened before all this quarantine stuff or else I guess I, it wouldn't have occurred. Right. Well, that was going to be one of my questions is what is a moment in time that you're like, wow, I can't believe I just got to do that. Or wow, I just got to talk to that person or, oh my gosh, I just got into an argument with so-and-so. Like, what would that be? What's the moment in time that you're like, oh, that was good. Lord, thank you for that opportunity. That was probably one of them to be able to sit next to people who have been fighting for the uh, the ability and the so-called right to slaughter unborn children to sit next to them and to talk to them and to talk to the legislators who have been fighting that and the realization I know that this isn't necessarily a political podcast and I don't want to get too political, but the, the realization that I'm talking to legislators, like I'm talking to the leaders of the country, the people who are supposed to be the foremost experts in defending abortion and their arguments were just as bad, just as fallacious as any internet troll that I've ever engaged with on abortion. There is no logical or moral argument for abortion. I realized that, and that just gave me more confidence in realizing just how solid the pro-life position is. So that was one of those moments, just thankful that God gave me the ability and the assurance to do that in watching the video of the Planned Parenthood activists who are behind me rolling their eyes and just seething in anger and realizing that this is a spiritual battle that's going on. Um, that was one of those moments. I think one of the first moments that I remember is when I was able to give the commencement speech for my college graduation. That was the first moment that I remember doing something and thinking this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. It was almost like this out of body experience and just kind of feeling like that's what God wanted me to do, at least for right now, the foreseeable future. And so that was another, that was another one of those surreal moments. There's probably been a lot of other just very common moments throughout my life where I felt that as well, becoming a mom, of course. Um, but those are two of the big moments that I think of when you ask that question. Love it. Well, Love it. Amazing. And uh, God has definitely called you for such a time as this and you are, um, you're doing an incredible job. And so um, I know your mom and I know Chrissy does too. And I know your parents are very proud of you. So let's talk about your new book. You're not enough and that's okay. Escaping yeah. the toxic culture of self-love. Tell us about that. How did you, um, how did you come to write this book? Yes. Yeah, so this has been almost two years in the making. This has been a very, it's been a very long process and a, and a labor of love. I've been so thankful for the opportunity to be able to write this. And how we came to this idea after a lot of brainstorming is that we saw this lie that was being perpetuated, not just in the secular world targeted towards women, but 
even seeping into parts of the Christian church. This idea that uh, Christianity is really about building up your self-esteem rather than pointing you to the cross of Christ. And I realized it was stealing the joy and the freedom um, of a lot of young women that were trying very hard to convince themselves they are, for example, enough. And some of the other myths that we tackle in this book is that you're perfect the way you are, you determine your own truth, you're entitled to your dreams, can't love other people before you love yourself. All of these self-love mantras sound really good and sound really freeing, but in reality, put a burden on us that we can't bear. Basically, they make us our own gods because if you are enough, then you don't need Jesus for salvation or sanctification or satisfaction because you're enough on your own. If, for example, you determine your own truth, then it's up to you to decide what morality is, not just for yourself, but for everyone because we exist in a society. If you can't love other people until you love yourself, well, you may never love other people because you might always deal with some kind of insecurity. And so all of these things that sound really good and really confidence boosting for young women is actually robbing them from the freedom of finding their identity, finding their enoughness, finding the power to love other people, to serve other people in Christ. Um, and so that is the point of this book is to direct people away from well-meaning and good sounding myths that are perpetuated both in the secular and sometimes in the spiritual world and redirecting them towards God's truth and God's gospel, which is actually so much better. Amen. Well, there's, there's a comment in the book that talks about this enoughness, um, that you're never going to be enough. And it said that the, 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 the premise of this book is about just embracing that you're not enough, like embracing that. So how does one do that? How do you embrace I'm not enough when the world is telling us all these things and other books you can read here, even Christian books, you know, here are the things you can do to be enough, even with Jesus help. But your idea is let's embrace that we're not enough. So tell me how we do that. So you already pointed out in your question the paradox of this you are enough culture. Here are the things that you can do to be enough. Well, if you're enough, you shouldn't have to follow the 10-step program before you can be enough. You shouldn't have to do all of the things and read all the books and listen to all the podcasts before you can really be enough. That would mean that you're not enough. And so it's what I call in the book, the paradox of perfectionism. You're constantly told you're perfect the way you are, but if you do these things, you'll be even more perfect. Well, that is not the gospel. The gospel says that, yes, of course, we're all made in the image of God, whether you're a Christian or not. And so, of course, you're inherently valuable, but apart from Christ, you are dead in your sin. You're not good enough the way you are. You're not enough at all. You're dead in your sin and you need Christ to raise you uh, to spiritual life and not just to become a new and more improved version of yourself or, or a better and more improved version of yourself, but actually a new self. And so the enoughness that we are looking for will never be found in ourselves, but it will be found in Christ. And so I think it's realizing one, I think it's one discerning between truth and lies, um, seeking wisdom through God's word to be able to look at some of these cultural myths that sound good, but are actually anti-gospel. And so one really practical way that I know you guys always encourage people to do is to be in the word, to be reading the Bible uh, wisdom, according to God, is both a promise and a process. And so it's a promise. Uh, James tells us that God 
promises to give us wisdom if we ask for it without reproach. Proverbs also shows us that wisdom is a process, tells us to acquire knowledge and acquire wisdom. And we do that through the word of God, through the promised wisdom that he gives us through his word. So I think being able to discern between the truth and the lies of these you are enough myths um, by saturating ourselves uh, with the truth of God's word. And I also think um, that just just realizing and reminding yourself and preaching to yourself of the good and free news of the gospel, that you don't have to be enough for yourself. You don't have to determine your own truth. You don't have to rid yourself of every insecurity that you have before you get to go out and love uh, and serve other people. Realizing that we never have to be enough, that Christ is already enough for us, He's already our righteousness. He's already our satisfaction. And we have that already as children of God, as followers of Christ. I think that's incredibly freeing to go ahead and, and obey God right now. Don't wait until you can fix yourself up before that happens. And when you talk about wisdom, um, you know, the very beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And I believe that that's probably our number one issue yeah. is that there is no fear of him. There is just, there's just not in this world. And I'm sure you experienced that in the world that you're in, that those people, there is no fear. Yes, exactly. That is, I I mean, that's the biggest problem and no one can make you fear God except for God himself. And so of course we pray for people, the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, that God would make their hearts soft. That is exactly the beginning of wisdom. And if we look around right now, and all of the confusion and the chaos that's going on, what you're seeing is exactly what you said, a lack of the fear of the Lord, which leads to a lack of wisdom. I mean, there are people who are trying desperately to figure out what justice looks like, what mercy looks like, what love looks like, what satisfaction and purpose looks like, and they're floundering. I mean, they're just thrown about by every wind of uh, worldly doctrine. And thankfully as Christians, uh, we have the objective standard for those things in God's word. Well, Allie, I did some digging around and in 2013, there were 35,000 self-help books published. In 2019, there were 85,000 self-help books published. Wow. Actually, it was outpacing the readers. The publishing was outpacing the growth in sales of these books. And so, What does that say? So I'm just wondering about the uptick. Is it social media that's given everyone a voice that now we all think we have something to say about this? Or what do you think is going on here? I think that is a huge part of it. Certainly there is an ability to become an author or an influencer more easily than ever. Obviously I'm a beneficiary of that. So I'm not complaining about social media and being able to gain some kind of audience and and uh, influence, certainly. But I also think, and this is not to say that all self-help books are godless. Of course, there are a lot of well-meaning and maybe in some ways, you know, biblical self-help books. So I'm not saying that, but I do think that there's probably some correlation in um, religious unaffiliation. So people becoming less religious, but still wanting some kind of guidebook still wanting some kind of uh, boundary, some kind of discipline to help them be a quote, good person or help them be successful. And so they might not want the church's prescriptions. They might not want biblical prescriptions because they don't believe in biblical morality, but they still want someone to tell them basically what to do and who to be and how to be. 
And so I think that we are going to continue uh, to have resources that say, oh, you don't need to, you don't need to go to God. You don't need to go to a higher authority. The highest authority is really the self. Like you don't need God to help you or sanctify you. You could basically sanctify yourself. That power that you have within you, that perfection that is lying deep down inside of you. If it weren't for, you know, societal standards and things like that, that that's really deep down. And if you just dig down to that and you are confident in that and you love yourself enough, then you'll be able to find the satisfaction that Christianity promises, but can't give. That's kind of the line of reasoning in a lot of these sef- uh, secular self-help books. So I think as long as that continues, um, then there probably will continue to be a rise of people who say, you know, I don't want to worship the God of scripture. I want to worship the God of self. Well, and I know that you've also, you also talk about this in the book, though, how it's infiltrated the church. And so I don't know how many times, um, and I've even seen the people that I follow um, with the memes, I am enough, you know, or you are enough, you are enough. And I wonder the messaging there in the, how has it infiltrated the church and how are we getting away with that messaging? I think to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt who are sharing things like that, they might simply mean that, you know, in Christ, we are enough, that he has already given us our righteousness. I simply think that we need to be careful in the things that we say, not to be, you know, nitpicky about every single word that people say, but we do need to be careful about our phraseology. If we see phraseology that is, um, that is, primarily being perpetuated by the world, Christians need to be very hesitant to latch on to that. We need to say, hang on, is that really true? Is that what the word of God says? Of course, it's not what the word of God says. Our confidence doesn't come from the fact that we are enough. Yes, we have confidence in the fact that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of God. God has given us gifts and talents and purposes. And of course, that's wonderful. All these things come from him. We should thank him for that. But again, our, uh, our confidence, our assurance doesn't come from us being enough, but the fact that we're not enough, but Christ will always be enough for us. He will perpetually be enough for us because even the days that you might feel like you're enough, maybe you feel like you're juggling your job and being a mom and being a wife really well one day. Well, the next day, one of those things, one of the balls that you're juggling, juggling is going to drop and then you're going to feel like you're not enough. What are you going to do then? I mean, is the meme that says that you're enough going to comfort you? Or are you going to be able to rest in the fact that, you know what, I'm going to drop the ball a lot, but God has got me because he is my righteousness. He is my peace. He is my identity. He is my enoughness. So I think Christian women just need to be careful. Where does your confidence come from? Does it come from the fact that you're enough and someone on the internet told you you are, or that Christ is enough for you, even when you fail? Allie, that'll preach, girl. This book. (laughs) this book is awesome and it's going to be amazing I can't wait till uh, it gets out on uh, Amazon and the bookstores can they go ahead and pre-order the book Yes. So depending on, you know, when this episode comes out, you can pre-order the book on Amazon. There are probably a few different sites that sell it. I think you can go to penguinrandomhouse.com and you can search my book and you'll be able to find it. Um, But also if it is sold at your local Christian bookstore, make sure that you support your local Christian bookstore or just your local bookstore. And I think there's a way you can actually request that it's sold there if that's something that you want. But of course we live in the age of Amazon. I do too. And so uh, that's a very easy way for people to order it as well. 
Absolutely. So here's the closing question because we're already out of time, which I hate. Um, but tell us how you balance the political scene, being a wife, being a mom, um, all the things that we do, all the things that we're called to do. What, how do you do it? How, you know, give the young moms some, give them some wisdom. Mm, I would say, well, first of all, imperfectly, imperfectly, I would say no week is perfect. I, you know, try my best to prioritize things the way that we are supposed to prioritize them with my relationship and confidence coming from Christ and being a wife and a being a mom far before I'm a podcaster or an author or anything like that. There are weeks when it's so tempting to be consumed with the news, to be consumed with fear and anxiety, looking at what's going around. And I know all the other moms out there are thinking the same thing. What is the future going to look like for my kids? And I've just realized that if I'm consumed with Twitter or Instagram, even everything's political now or the cable news, then I am going to be wrapped up in fear constantly. What I have to remind myself, of course, just being with my family, spending time with my family grounds me so much and gives me perspective, but also just the reminder that the realest reality that exists is not what we see in the media or on social media. That's actually a very warped view of reality. The realest reality that we have is the eternal timeline that God has given us in his word. And so even though we don't know what's happening tomorrow and Jesus tells us you know, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We do know the ultimate, uh, the, the ultimate outcome of all of this is that Jesus is going to rule in perfect peace. And that even if we are coming into a time of severe tribulation in America, and even if it seems like the world truly is falling apart all around us, which maybe it is like, we know that God has got us, that he's got his church, that he didn't pick uh, your birthday or your kids' birthdays arbitrarily. That means that he puts you on this uh, timeline of eternity exactly when he did for a purpose with intention. It wasn't flippant. It wasn't by accident. He's not surprised. And so remembering that God equips every individual and every generation of the church exactly how they're supposed to be equipped for the times that are at hand. That's what I have to remind myself, honestly, on a daily basis, or else I will get wrapped up in fear and, you know, even get sad and sorrowful and scared and all of those things. I just have to remember that God is on his throne and that the outcome that he promises and the hope that he has given us is sure, even when nothing else is. That's right. The best is yet to come. The best yes. is yet to come. Amen. So thank you so much for being with us today. You. you are thank adorable. You. And uh, we appreciate who you are and what you do and taking a stand for Jesus. Well, We're thank proud y'all you. so much. Thank y'all so much. And thank you for what you do. And God bless both of you and all of your sweet family. Don't you know that she's, she's some kind.